Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is The Amazing Nerd Show. That's right. Christian, I'm surprised you made it today, man. <laughs> How come? Well, I figured you're just heartbroken with the news that John Cena and uh, which Nikki Bella broke yes. up. It, it's, How are you it's feeling, been, man? It's been rough. That's been your favorite ship, right? <sighs> That's... <laughs> it's hard to keep a straight face right now with this, you know... <laughs> It's, it's Don't been lie to damaging. The Don't <laughs> lie to the people, Christian. You were devastated. Uh, no, I could care less. So, I totally think it's a work. You think it's a work? I think it's a work. And I know this is far-fetched, but literally they announced that they're broken up, right? That the engagement's off. And then, like, last night on Raw, because that was like Sunday, it was over the mm-hmm. weekend they announced it, they show clips for Total Divas or Total Bell, which, whatever show, and it's them sitting on the bed talking about breaking off. Yeah, but they've been talking, they've been showing that since the season. Like, Have they? Like, yeah. Okay, I haven't seen that. I was like, come on. But yeah, they totally used that for sure on, on Yeah. Raw. They totally were like, like, hey, we're going to keep showing one, this now. That's really shitty. If it isn't a work, it's really shitty that they're using that to put the, <laughs> the show over. But, I mean, it's reality TV. But it just totally feels like a total like WWE work. Like the whole Dolphin Nikki thing. Yeah. Well, even if you go all the way back to their engagement, felt like a fucking oh, this means time. so much to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie to these people. Like, I see it. I oh no, it. I can care less about oh. the relationship. I'm saying like them getting engaged felt fake. I totally at the time. laid the bait out there, and you took it. <laughs> Your DVR is filled with total divas. No, yes, and total bellas. I haven't watched Absolutely. that since the second season. That's all right. I watch it sometimes. I won't lie. That's okay. That's I'm okay. not lying. It's okay, season man. Season. It's all right. Be proud. I had of a it, super man. page obsession at the time. Page. Yeah. yeah. And when she joined the show, I was like, oh, yeah, watch this. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, I my call is they'll be back together by next season. That's my call right now. I'm, I'm glad we're I'm, talking. About I'm this. calling work. That's what I'm calling. <laughs> <laughs> Way to start off the show. There's a uh, lot of people interested in this, Christian, okay? A lot of I know, I've posted four memes about it already. All right, see? <laughs> see? It's what the people want, damn it. <laughs> we listen to our fan base. Yes, yes. Um, I saw a movie. Yes, you did. Two weeks ago. Hey, we don't blame you for talking about it now. We had so much wrestling to yes, talk about last week. a lot of wrestling. We didn't want the show to be three and a half hours long, because I think we almost went as long as WrestleMania. Yes. At and that point. I think if you listen to that episode, you can hear me falling apart. Yeah. As I get more and more <laughs> well, tired. We finished it like 1 o'clock in the morning, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yeah. We're going to be talking a little less wrestling this episode. Mm. A little less wrestling. A whole lot more comedy. Yes. A lot. Because we have a lot of catching up to do. Yes. So, but yeah. I saw Quiet Place um, two weeks ago. Did it suck? Um, No. It did not suck. Good. Okay. Let's move on. No. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to try to give a review without spoiling too much of the movie. Because okay. I feel like if you give too much movie too, too much of the movie away, it'll ruin your movie going yes. experience. Damon's a better reviewer than I am. <laughs> well, especially for a movie like this. All right. So um, this is by Krasinski, um, Jim from The Office. This is his third film directing. 
Um, he, uh, this was actually, he actually wrote part of the script. He had his hands on the script too. Um, it's not his original script though. This script was originally supposed to be part of the Cloverfield, uh, universe. So, and after watching that movie and finding that out, I could totally see how that would work. Mm -hmm. Um, it does kind of have that vibe to it. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, this was a very simple story, but very clever. And I think that's what audiences are really responding to, how clever the movie is. And it's just a different kind of movie going experience overall, um, you know, which you don't get that much, you know, nowadays, especially from horror movies. Um, and this is definitely a horror movie. You know, people who are saying it's a suspense movie or a thriller movie can go fuck themselves. <laughs> all right. It's horror. It's like whenever a certain audience likes a horror movie, they try mm. to like hide the fact that it's an actual horror movie. And that they're liking a horror movie. It's a horror movie. So, um, so yeah. So, pretty much, this is all about a family. And it really is kind of a family drama, too. Along with a horror movie. It's kind of wrapped up in this movie. But, um, so, basically, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to read the little blurb for the movie. Go ahead. Giving you a brief summary. Uh, in 2020, most of the Earth's human population has been wiped out in just under three months. By an invasion of sightless creatures with hypersensitive hearing. The creatures are large, fast, and have a similarly impenetrable armored shell. They use their hearing to locate and attack anything that makes a noise. And that's pretty much the setup. Um, they don't really go into the background, like how it happened, mm. or what happened, or where these creatures are coming from. You're really kind of left in the dark exactly what happens and the only way you find this information out in the movie is through like newspapers like laying around or some things that he has like scribbled on a chalkboard so um very video game either yes yes um and i've seen other movies do it before but the i mean the invasion happens it's fast you don't know if it's like otherworldly or if it's like something some experiment gone, gone awry but there's these giant creatures fucking shit up pretty much um and just it looks like this family is very alone it's like almost like a dystopian like kind of like future that they're like living in and but it's only like 2020 and it 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 takes place in like 90 days um so uh it really starts off with just a gut punch it really sets up the fact that anything can happen all bets are off the table um that they're a legit threat. So, I mean, the setup is great for this movie without going into depth in what they do. Um, but it really, you know, takes you, you know, into this film and gets you kind of wrapped up mm. in this family quickly, which is great. Um, the family chemistry is fantastic, especially if you consider the fact that you are getting to know these characters and really care about these characters with hardly any dialogue. Now, I was going to ask, how did they make like a workaround for more dialogue? Was there like a certain time that these beasts might come out more often? No. Um, they, there are, they use sign language a lot. They do whisper um, at points. Um, but there's lots of subtitles on the screen too. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is through body language. Gotcha. So, and you get so wrapped up in this world that... I was literally sitting there in the movie 
and I went to go like put down my drink and I caught myself putting my drink down slowly. <laughs> like I was worried that I was going to make a sound, you know? So you get very like wrapped up in this film and the whole concept very quickly. So that's well done to me. The sound design in this movie is fantastic. Um, I'm not sure who was doing it, um, but like the scores like there, but it's mm-hmm. not overscored at all. It's very quiet, obviously, at times. Um, and you're really kind of focused on like how this family is surviving this situation. Because it's like, literally, if they make any kind of noise, these creatures will come out of nowhere and just, you know, kill them. So, I mean, and they, they do a masterful job of setting that up without saying anything, you know, within the first, like, five, ten minutes of the movie. Um, yeah, so, I mean, just this, performance-wise, just superb acting, really. You know, like I said, the body language that they have to, like, you know, really use to tell the story is just fantastic. Um, so... Is there anything that's, like, driving them to want to live in, even, like, in this kind of future? Well, really, this is really, like I said before, it's kind of like a family Mm -hmm. drama wrapped up in a horror movie. And it's really, to me, it was really more about parenthood and just trying to protect your children at all costs. So they suffer a big loss in the beginning of the film. um, And then you skip, like, I think almost a year. I think there's a year time jump in this. And, you know, you're reintroduced to the family. They're on this farm. Um, that they have like totally set up to like keep them safe. They have this light system and they have like the walls. They use paper mache to kind of like muffle the walls and soundproof things, but it's still not soundproof at all. Mm. Um, you really get into the ingenuity of like how they're surviving everything. They use like sand on all the trails that they walk, um, you know, not to make any noise. Uh, there's times where it feels like, okay, the scenario is just impossible. There's no way that you could possibly survive this scenario. And it makes sense that the world was wiped out in such a short period mm. of time. But at the same time, it's like, how did this family survive this? Because I don't know about you, but like I snore. So like right <laughs> off the bat, you're, you're dead. That's a good there's point. Nothing, yeah. um, so, you know, the, the little things like that, there's moments that took me out of the film. was like, okay, well, how are you doing? The um, daughter, one of the daughters is death. So she wouldn't even know if she was making noises, you know, at times. So, um, you know, which uh, her performance is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Um, But, you know, it it adds a lot to the tension. But at points to me almost felt unbelievable (laughs) because Mm. it's like, how would you survive this, you know, under those circumstances? So, but, um, yeah, the um, it, it really it's interesting because you really get into like how they're doing everything and how they're surviving as much as you get into like, you know, these creatures, you know, surrounding them. A lot of this, you know, as a parent, I was able to relate to like trying to, having to protect your child and everything like that. It kind of puts you in their spot, you know, like I think, you know, and I don't know if it'll resonate with everyone. And obviously it's doing very well, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if it will resonate on the same levels with certain people, just because like as a parent, just putting yourself in that situation where, you know, how do you protect your children in this? You know, I mean, kids are kids and like, there's only, I have a three-year-old, there's no way I'm going to be able to stop her from making noise. It's just not possible. So they, they do a time jump and it's like a year later and they show the mom, I think she's like on a stepladder and then they slowly reveal that she's like 
eight months pregnant. And you're, the whole audience that I was with just gasped because how would you have a baby in this situation? Like, how would you, you know, and like, how do you keep a child, like an infant quiet? You know, so there's just like, and after the setup of the beginning of the movie, there's just this anxiety, like around this whole pregnancy that's happening, everything. It's very well done. They build this anxiety up, you know, like there's one point where they introduce that they, you know, they have a basement that they go into where they, you know, the father's working on this like hearing aid for his daughter. Um, and he's not allowing anyone else down there because there's a lot of different like equipment and stuff like that. So he doesn't want anyone to mess around and, you know, you know, make noise on accident. Well, they introduce this nail on one of the stairs. Like somehow this nail gets kind of pulled up, you know, on one of the stairs. Mm. And that nail becomes like jaws, like the shark in jaws, like <laughs> throughout, you know, until, you know, you know what's going to happen. But like they keep on kind of showing it and it's in the back of your mind, like, oh my God, someone's going to totally step on that nail. That's going to happen. So it's like this total like foreshadowing. <laughs> And you're just dreading this little tiny two-inch nail on a stair. Well, that's just all because, yes, exactly, because that's all that it would take. You know, Legos being left on the ground. That's all it would take <laughs> in this movie. So they're eating things like on like they're not using plates or silverware. They're eating with their hands. They're I think they're using like lettuce as plates in this movie. Because they don't want to clink the silverware on mm. the plates. So that's like, you know, like I, I was saying, it's kind of like, okay, like to a certain point, like, oh my god. Like, how would you survive in yeah, this situation? Yeah, that hearing level is way too much. Yes. So, I mean, they obviously that. are. They There's a part where he, like, not, we see in the trailers, he knocks over a lantern, and they're able to kind of, like, survive that, you know. Um, so it's not impossible, but, you know, and they kind of, they do, they do a good job because, like, right away it's like, well, how can't, why aren't they, like, digging, like, underground? Why aren't they doing, like, an underground bunker or something like that? You know, but then, like, if you're digging, you're making noise. So how, you know, mm-hmm. how would you even go around? Like, the soundproofing is done wisely because they're using paper mache because that you can just, like, paint that onto the walls. You can't nail anything in, you know. So it's just an impossible scenario to survive. So you are on the edge of your seat, you know, from the very beginning of the movie, just, like, dreading. There's a sense of dread through this whole film of what's going to happen or what could happen. You know, especially with a pregnant mother walking around. Um, but yeah, um, it it does all those things really well. This is definitely a movie to see in the theater, um, especially because of the sound design and that whole experience. Like my theater was like dead quiet. People were not making any noise. I think they were kind of going through the same thing I was mm. going, where you get so just like sucked into the movie and the scenario that you almost feel like you can't make a sound. It was the quietest theater I've ever like gone into. The um, jump scares, and there are jump scares in this movie, you know, besides, you know, this this overwhelming tension that they've built, but the jump scales are all very like well-earned in this movie. They're not cheap, you know, which I really enjoy because some movies, yeah. especially horror movies, they over-abuse the jump scare and everything, but these jump scares are legit and, you know, they're there for a reason. They serve so, uh, how was the monster design? I enjoyed the monsters. I liked the fact that for the first God, three quarters of the film, you did not see much of the monster. At the end, you see more of it. And, you know, I wish they would have showed us less. I wish they would have mm. gone that route. 
Um, but yeah, the first like three quarters of the film, you don't see much of it. You see little glimpses of it. I thought that was very effective. Um, not seeing much. I mean, what you do see of it, it's terrifying. Um, but overall, at the end, I felt it was a little too CGI. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, I'm a huge practical effect guy, so I'm probably just being really hard on it. <laughs> um, I understand why they went that route. It wasn't a bad design or anything once you get, like, a full close-up on it. But, you know... It wasn't like I Am Legend with the zombies in that movie. No. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. No, 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 no. It wasn't anything that, like, took you out of the movie. Okay. But, like, kudos to Krasinski. Um, just because... Y- like, I've seen other movies where the main actor of the film is also the director, and you can almost tell mm. that they're the director, you know? Like, they're giving themselves, like, the biggest moments in the film and everything. Gotcha. His performance is very subtle, you know, and it had to be in this film. But, you know, just the visual, like, storytelling in this movie that, like, it would have to take, you know, a director to pull off is just superb like he really did a great job of tor- telling this story visually um you know because i really can't imagine someone who has such little experience in film telling this story so well i mean it's just a masterful job of you know telling this story and getting everything on film that he needed to to convey this story but to like build this tension to like just a fever pitch you know what's going on in this movie at a it's not confusing without the dialogue um you know when there is dialogue too he's done he did such a great job with it it was almost jarring you know they use this gimmick of like um a waterfall where he takes his son to this place where there's this waterfall you know so he can talk to him and the whole reason that i guess the logic behind it was like too much sound when there's a lot Mm -hmm. of sound they can't pinpoint where you're at so there was enough sound that he's underneath this waterfall where he could actually talk to his son. It's a really like touching moment. Um, and before that, they have this great moment between him and his daughter where you get a sense that he blames the daughter for what happens in the beginning of the film um, without any real dialogue going on. You know, it's really just in their body language once again. And you see the daughter's heartbreak as they go off. He chooses to go off just with the son. Um, and he just refuses to take her. Um, and you can feel that tension, you know, throughout the rest of the movie and everything. And there's these really strong, moving moments that are happening, you know, without a single word being spoken. Um, up to the end, you know, with that relationship where there's this, you know, just gorgeous, like, beautiful, like, story point between the two. Um, that's absolutely like heartbreaking at the end. So um, that being said, the end of the movie was a little lackluster for me. I It left me wanting more, which is usually a good thing, but it left me wanting more story-wise. Okay. Um, you know, where I understand why they went the route that they did. It, it's a cool badass moment, but it felt a little too almost cliche. Um, You're basically, you know, you kind of see what's going on. There's like a predictableness that goes along with it. I know I'm being vague, but like I said, if I (laughs) spoil, if I, if I, this movie is so easily spoiled and I feel like if I do spoil it, it will totally take you out of it. And I want everyone to have the same experience that I did in the film. So, um, 
due to that, I feel like it kind of took the movie down a peg for me. I know people are like going crazy for it right now. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is one of the best horror movies in years. Um, Truly horrifying. It was a very good horror movie. Do I think it's one of the best horror movie in like years and like a decade? Like some people are saying, eh, it was good. Do I think it was great? No. It's innovative. It was different. And I think that's what's, you know, getting people so excited mm-hmm. about it. You know, it, that they really, truly explored a different storytelling style in this movie. You know, in this genre. Um, you know, and did it s- just just this wonderful, like, craftsman-like job with it. Um, but, yeah. I, I feel like this definitely is a movie that you need to go see in the theater. Um I don't know if it's a movie that I would revisit a lot. Mm. You know, that's that's where I'm kind of at. With is it. it going to go up on your wall? Like a poster? Or like, will I have DVD? Like, yeah. You know, with me and Blu-rays, that's not saying much. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of crap up there on the shelf. So, and I'll be the first one to admit that. Um, I have to collect like incomplete, like, you know, whole like sequels mm. and, you know, series of movies. So, um, it probably will, you know, <laughs> but it'll be more of like me wanting to show it to someone else, gotcha. you know, like I've got a few friends who I think would really enjoy this movie. So I wouldn't mind showing it to them just to like experience it with them and to hear their thoughts. Um, but I don't know if it's a movie where I would pull out on um, like a Saturday night and just watch it myself, you know, maybe in a couple of years mm. or something. But it does stick with you. So um, if I had to give it a rating out of like five stars, I'd probably give it. I'd probably give it like a good like three and a half to four. I would say three and a half. Gotcha. You know, um, you know, just like I said, just it's such an impossible scenario. It's almost like almost unbelievable that they would even last this long because mm-hmm. they're lasting over a year like almost a year and a half or so like it's it's a long time for these people to survive on their own you know um it's very clever though the way they go about it but it's still like oh my god if you just stub your toe you're dead Mm. like you know if you snore how are you getting around this so and the fact that they had a child whether or not it was on purpose or not um they do show this whole thing where they like they built this they somehow built like this almost bunker um for the baby like where the baby is going to live um and they have a box that they're going to put the child in with like an oxygen mask <laughs> so it can breathe like it's outlandish like the, the, is is he like a, a scientist or an engineer they or don't anything like that? you have no idea he has to be some kind of engineer i'm assuming just because he's trying to work on his daughter's hearing, hearing aid. yeah you know um which was, I'll spoil that. That's a touchy, there's a touchy moment at the end where she goes downstairs because she has this tension between like her and father. The, the relationship's definitely strained, but she realizes how much he really still loves her by like seeing the lengths he's going to fix her hearing aid. Like there's so much, mm-hmm. like, you know, like he's been working night and day, you know, because I mean, it's for her survival, really. Yeah. You know, going deaf, like being deaf in this scenario, I mean, I can't, like, like I said, it's, I can't imagine, (laughs) you know, living, you know, as long as they have. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, definitely check it out in the theater. Yeah. Definitely go see this movie. 
I mean, it sounds very interesting. Just just for the experience. Now, I could I will say this though. This is a theater experience that could easily go awry if you have an asshole in your audience. <laughs> he could screw up the whole damn movie for you. So, I was very very lucky, you know, to see this movie. So I would almost recommend to go see like a matinee where the you know yeah. there isn't that big of a crowd. You know, I'm the old man who goes to the matinees <laughs> just because I don't want to deal with the audience. Um, go get brunch, then go see the movie. Yes, you know? exactly, exactly. Because my God, if there was someone in that movie or a baby in the audience, that would totally take you out of it because you get so absorbed in what's going on in this film um, that it would just be a disservice to you know have some schmuck take you out mm. of it, you know, or some bad parent who's bringing their infant into this movie <laughs> or four year olds. And God knows I've had that happen before. You know, I think I saw Cabin Fever with like a group of six-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, okay. right. <laughs> well, no, I'm not surprised. I went to Saw, um, well, Saw three, and there was babies all in the front row. Yes, yes, amazing, amazing. But I blame the theater too. Like, why are you letting that? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Who knows? <sighs> Money's money, right? Yeah. Um. Though my mom would sneak me into some. Horror movies. Yeah, but how old were you though? You weren't like two or three. No, I was five and up. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, go see this movie. <laughs> Long story short, see the movie. So, besides, you know, having seen that movie two weeks ago, we had to catch up on about two, almost, for me, three weeks of comics just to get to this point. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot of comic book reading going on. So, um,. Did you read anything I didn't read? Uh, I read Darth Vader, of course. I've been keeping up with that book. Uh, I mean, a couple issues uh, right now I'm at, which is uh, with 13 and 14, which is where they're at right now in the story. Um, Soul's doing an amazing job, by the way. It's just... Really? Like, like, I keep having to remind myself, this is the same writer as Astonishing. Like, this, like... He he's is... On, yeah, he, he was doing Daredevil. Exactly. He's everywhere. He really it's, is. It's such a great book. But, um... Yeah, right now they're dealing with the Mon Calamari. Okay. Uh, the Empire has uh, Vader going out, finding more um, Jedi. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And then um, apparently they were, Tarkin was having this kind of like peace meeting with um, with the leader of the Mon Calamari okay. planet. And um, they were kind of like, we want to show our power. Because this is still pretty the early years of the Empire. So they're still trying to show their kind of power to the Senate. And everything. The Senate still thinks that they kind of have kind of a word and kind of a say in what goes on in the galaxy. And okay. the Emperor's like, eh, not really. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they're going to make an example, pretty much, of the Mon Calamari. Um, Tarkin doesn't know this, but Vader and his crew kind of know they're going in to kind of fuck with this planet. Okay. And they have an assumption that there are Jedi there, secretly hiding. Like they've kind of felt that this one Jedi is there. Who's the story, like, throughout these books, who's the story, like, told through? Like, whose eyes are we, like, living this story through? I would say Vader. Okay. But at the same time, it, it feels like you're kind of just... It's, it feels more cinematic, almost. So you're just kind of watching Vader go through these situations. Okay. Rather than it being told from, like, Vader's, like... You know, you're not getting captions of Vader's thoughts. There's right? not, like, like, a narrator no. or, like, or a voice that you're kind of following. No, you get the, like, the, the typical, like, credit roll at the beginning. It tells oh, really? you where you are. And then you go, every book you get that yeah oh that's awesome I well because like it's a monthly title and I appreciate that it like reminds you 
this is where you are in the book. You know, Marvel does that too. Like mm. with like the, all their books, they have that like kind of summary page of where you're at, which I always find very helpful for those monthly exactly. books. Because I mean, you read so much, you totally forget where you're at. You know, because a lot of times I have to go back and like revisit. Especially things. when you have to wait a month, sometimes a month and a half yes. now for a certain book. Yes, yes, um, I agree. But this has just been so well done, and I, not a lot has happened. Um, the ship that uh, had this kind of negotiator on blows up as soon as Darth Vader arrives. Like, um, they're like, we don't have any enemies here. Why are you here, Vader? And then the ship blows up behind him. He's like, are you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> so they start a full invasion on um, Mon Calamari. The Mon- I'm trying to remember the name of the planet at the moment. Okay. Just, they do an invasion on the Mon Calamari's planet. And, okay. um, you meet a young Admiral Akbar. He's uh, part of, like, the king's, like, main court of security and everything. And he's, like, trying to, like, stop all this from happening. Oh, wow. um, okay. They immediately sink all their surface world, um, like, cities. Because it's just pretty much, like, they all live underneath the sea. Oh, so they wow. don't really need those. Okay. Uh, that's a, an epic moment because Darth Vader's like, about to come after the king and everything. And just boom, these giant whales come out of the sea and just crash all the cities. Holy shit. So okay. they're like, yeah, we don't give a shit. So <laughs> now we know why Akbar is so uh, keen on taking down the Empire. He's, he's coming off as a badass in this comic. I can That's tell awesome. You. Well, he should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's pretty high ranking there in the. Uh, right? Off the bat, too. I like wish he had New survived Hope. that. <laughs> well, no, he's not in New Hope, but he's in. Uh, no, he's not. He's in. It's just Return, right? Where he shows up? Is that the first time we see him? He's not an Empire. Yeah, so yeah. it's Return. Yeah. Where the first time I see him. He's already... So that's how many years... Out. How many years is there in between this and A New Hope? Do they say that or they keep it vague? I think it's mostly vague. Mostly because I got tripped up when um, you, they showed Luke out of nowhere. Oh, that's right. So this but, must be... But this is way like maybe... A couple years after the um, events okay. of um, episode three. Okay. So it's really not that far. Okay. So this is a very young Akbar. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, the generals didn't even know who Vader was at the time. They were just like, why are we listening to this guy's commands? And then he just starts choking people. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is why. Then he starts choking bitches. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what Vader does. Mm. Um, once again, they play around with uh, the fact that he's Anakin. Um, there's a group of Jedi that are hiding out on this planet. Um, there's a Jedi Master uh, Bar, which we've only seen in the animated series where they did the, the shorts, not, um, the original Clone Wars. On the Cartoon Network. Yes. Okay. Um, he's been hiding out on this planet. He's um, giving advice to the king on how they should handle this invasion, what's going to happen. That's um, awesome, though, that they use that character. I know. Like, That's who would have thought? <laughs> That's deep cuts right there. Mm. That's great. Um, I gotta really start reading this book before it gets too far out of hand. Like, you know, it's really it's really easy to catch read. up. Like you would be able to catch up like that because like it'll be like two or three short little like placement books. Like it gets you to the bigger point. How long are the arcs? Um, or does it feel like one big arc? Oh no, it's kinda... definitely it's like because we went from the story where he's getting the lightsaber for the first time. It shows how he gets his crystal. Then it's, you know, he's going after the uh, librarian from... So it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, like I remember that. Okay. Each Jedi that he's going after is kind of a new arc, I feel. Okay. So it's basically they're, like they're three, telling, like, the Jedi hunt mm-hmm. from the books. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I've got, I've got to really get on board with this. You know, especially... So, did Soul write it from the beginning? Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. This yeah. one, this version, yes. All right. Well, I got some reading to do. <laughs> so, uh, what else did we read? Uh, we read two different X Men arcs. That's right. We did X Men Red and Astonishing X Men. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll do the little summary just to kind of catch people up in case they haven't read it. Um, and jog our own memories, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, X-Men Red. This is actually number three, right? This is the third issue. Um, The battle rages in India. The newest X-Men member may be the key to the team's survival. Gambit is caught up in an intensifying global frenzy of mutant hate. Plus, could one of Jean Grey's oldest friends be a true... Oh, could turn foe. So... Um, what did you think of this issue? Um, I think this was, it felt like the shortest to me, but it was still very enjoyable. It was very quick, mm-hmm. like a very quick read. Um, I did enjoy it. It's definitely like a bridge issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, this book has just been surprising overall. Like, I really did not think I would be into this book. Exactly. You know, seeing, I think we talk about it every time we, you know, talk <laughs> this book. But just seeing this roster of characters and everything, um, and seeing kind of the setup, but yeah, no, this is probably my favorite X-Men book right now. I've got to say, I've really enjoyed it. It's very, like, timely, lots of social commentary, even in this book, Mm -hmm. you know, um, they're talking about the use of, like, social media to really, like, drum up the mutant hate and, like, that frenzy, um, you know, which is very relevant to this time with everything that's going on with, like, Facebook and everything, um, but yeah, it just well done, you know, good storytelling. Um, this is Taylor who's writing it. Um, and I have not read anything else that they've written. So, but I'm very impressed so far. Yeah. And I mean, it's mostly the writing that's getting me through because again, the art in this book was, yeah, it's just sketchy. For it's me. just there, you know, mm. it's not great. I, it doesn't take me out of the book because sometimes there will be artists who I'm just not a fan of that will totally take me out of a story. Um, but well, it's there just was, there. There was one panel where they're getting on top of the um, Sentinel that they capture, and it just, I was just so like, what am I looking at right oh, now? Oh, really? It was okay. just very muddy all over the place, and features were just very stretched. Yeah, like. yeah. Um, this is the same artist who did last issue, too. Yeah, I believe. Okay. So um, there's a moment with Cassandra Nova who we, we did not see last issue, mm. um, but you have her walking into the mansion um, and she is confronted by a child who can actually see her. She's cloaked, mm. you know, um, telepathically. And this child comes up to her and, you know, like is basically, it's kind of like, what are you doing here? And the, there's a whole exchange between the two. And she kind of marvels at like what, a, you know, like what a huge feat it is for him to even be able to see her right now. And, you know, how bright his future, you know, might have been. Mm-hmm. And then you just see his body, like, flop on the ground. You know, just cold-hearted villainy at its finest. If you didn't know this villain before, now you know. This was you a know? great intro for people who mm-hmm. did not know, like, the level of villainy that this character is capable of. Um, she's probably one of the best X-Men villains in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years really you know like they're they don't introduce you know that many great villains recently Mm -hmm. in the last decade this is one of the best villains that they've had you know introduced um i think it was early 2000s so it's really two decades you know so they've been kind of on a drought villain wise 
Um, but yeah, no, just, I mean, you kind of, you know, see what they're up against um, in that moment. So, and then we've got, you know, we've got the team there. They rescue uh, Trinary, yeah. right? That's her name. That's mm. how we're pronouncing it. That's how we're until, saying it. Until someone else tells <laughs> us differently. Um, who's super powerful. She takes over a Sentinel mm-hmm. and is able to control it, which we didn't know that was in her power. Um, you know, her powers, really. Right, we I know mean, that she's all about technology. Yeah, so she's able to. Extent. And then she was actually the people that Cassandra Nova like had like frozen. Yes. They she's, apparently have an AI chip or something. That's is that what it was? Yeah. Okay, she's able to see that and mm-hmm. to sense that. So she's super powerful. So I think that's pretty cool. And I, I love when they introduce new characters, you know, in the fold. Because you don't get that that much in Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the X-Men do a little better, like, introducing, like, new characters. Um, but, like, yeah, the main Marvel universe, you know, it's too far in between where they're introducing, like, new heroes to mm-hmm. us. So, um, you know, she seems pretty cool, though. I'm interested in seeing, you know, where we go with her. Um, but, yeah, uh, you get her, you know, controlling the Sentinel, saving the team, and then, you know, basically they're there to rescue her. She ends up rescuing them. Yeah. And then, you know, they have a Sentinel now as, like, almost a pet. You know, it flies <laughs> them to, to Wakanda, you know, uh, where they feel like it's a safe haven, but then they're greeted by Storm, who shoots lightning at them. We find out that Cassandra Nova has kind of taken over Storm. We see it in the mansion where mm-hmm. she's like going up to, you know, someone who's sleeping. We don't know who, but you know, obviously, it's got to be Storm, right? Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, great little moment at the end of the book. So I'm like I said, I'm fully on board with this book. I'm excited for next issue. I wish it wasn't just monthly. You yeah. Know? Um, but it is what it is. Um, this is an X book that's actually doing it right, right mm-hmm. now. So. Um, I also like Gambit's moment when he's helping out the mutant that just decides to like get involved with the crowd. Yes, uh, and a really touching moment too at the mm. end there. Um, I I did enjoy that, and it kind of sets up you know why Gambit would join this team, mm. you know, without giving too much away. Um, so it makes sense, you know, and I'm hoping that they stick with this team. You know, problem with a lot of the X books is they juggle characters left and right. I'm really hoping that, you know, they stick with a concrete roster at least for like a year or two, you know, before they shuffle the deck again. Because there's just too much shuffling of the deck with the Xbox. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely check it out. If, you ha- if you're not reading it, you know, pick it up. It's only three issues in, so it's very yes. easy to catch up right now. So, um, astonishing. Well, what did you think? You want to read the summary here? I'll read the summary. All right. Uh, one of the X-Men's greatest adversaries, Proteus, has returned. He has the ability to reshape reality into anything he chooses and believes this wonderful gift should be made available to all people everywhere. All right. I enjoyed this book more than I enjoyed the last issue. The last issue kind of lost me. Um, this issue is another issue that felt very fast, a very mm-hmm. quick read. Um, it was very much a setup issue. Yes. Having read both of them basically back to back, they worked better together than I feel that they would have if I had like waited like a month to read this. Yes. Yes. And I think when you do, because it's monthly, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like, you know, jarring that it is such a quick read. It's like, I waited a month for this, but it was well done. I love the panel work in this book. The panel work really, and it's something that you don't really pay attention much to in these books, but... You know, the artists don't do too much with panels. You know, this artist did, I, I can't pronounce their name, a co? 
maybe? Um, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Forgive us if we're wrong. But I love what they did with the panels in this book. It it really added a different element. It made you feel like this almost... They're, they're basically... They're racing to this town in Scotland that Proteus has taken over. Um, and their plane is going down. And through the use of the panels, you really get this like mm-hmm. almost like, you know, frantic, like frenzy feel of these characters really trying to figure out what's going on and, you know, um, how to address it. So I really enjoyed that and really added a great element to the book and the storytelling. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a setup book, you yes. know, for what's going to happen next. Um, I was very disappointed to find out, and this is soul writing once again, mm-hmm. um, that this is, I think we only got two issues left in his run on Astonishing. Oh, only two. Okay. Yeah, I think he ends with 12. So this arc is only two more issues long. I'm, I, I'm really curious to see where they're going because I don't see how they wrap up the whole, you know, uh, X story line, the whole plot, you know, with Professor X right now. Um, because the they've kind of already, we've seen the solicit solicitations for the next like arc and the next arc, um writer coming on board and it's a whole different team so they're really gonna have to do some serious writing you know unless they carried over to another series um to really like tie up those loose ends mm. to like i you know i don't know where they're going with you know i Professor mean for X me right this now. feels like or more of an introduction to this character rather than yeah well it's literally called story. a man called x mm-hmm. right so it really does you know, set it up as an introduction. So, I know, and maybe the solicitations are just leaving him out right now. Um, the team, I think the new team consists of uh, Beast, Havoc, Dazzler, Colossus, and Warpath. So it's a very small team. So I could definitely see them introducing someone else into the fold. Um, but like, I would like to see this version interact with Beast. I feel like that would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, well, and too, but yes. I, I mean, I just, I want to see how the rest of the X universe mm. is going to interact with the fact that, you know, just the fact that this character is, like, the Professor X is alive, and it's this, like, version of this mm. character, this younger, more brash version, um, you know. Well, yeah, even in this, he's talking about, like, I'd rather just nuke the whole town. Yeah, yeah. It really does not feel like Professor X, so I just can't, I feel like there's a lot of story left, mm-hmm. you know, so I just don't know how they're going to wrap this up in two issues. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if they do, you know, and that's totally an X-Men thing to leave those like <laughs> plot threads just hanging there. So, um, but yeah, yeah. What did you think of the, the issue overall? No, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I did like it a lot. Uh, I, it was sometimes like, what is going on? Because <laughs> there's a lot. They're playing a lot with, you know, reality, what's real, what's not real. And I was trying to get a grasp of, is what he's bringing into this actually real or not? Of course, by this description, it's definitely telling me he's just bringing the astral plane into reality. And that's just kind of how they're playing. But it's kind of like, how is he able to give them this kind of power? How is he able to make this kind of realm mm-hmm. the way it is? You know, what's interesting, too, is his motives actually seem noble to a certain extent like he's trying to give people what they want now he's doing it kind of he's treating these people like guinea pigs Mm. but you could see long game wise that yeah he's trying to give them a piece of heaven but you know in a twisted sort of way yeah part of me felt like he didn't actually believe in humanity though 
Like, mm-hmm. he gave me this kind of feeling of he sees what X's point is, but he also sees they don't, like, there's nothing to fear then if there's, uh, if everyone is, the way X presented it to him was this, was people are good. We just have to help them continue to be good. He's like, yeah. well, if I just give them whatever they want, then everyone should be good, right? Because he does talk about their yeah. dream and everything. Like, you know, do you still believe in your dream, you yeah. know, Professor? Um, you know, but then he also, he kind of, because he's talking about how, like, they experienced the, you know, astral plane for so long, but it was an astral plane controlled by a shadow king. You know, so is this really what the astral plane's about, you know, or can it be more? You know, so, but yeah, I agree with you where it does feel like I mean, he's he almost off. like kind of, you know, you know, like marveling at, you know, no pun intended, at like, you know, his creation mm. and watching, you know, this experiment kind of go awry at times. Yeah, he felt very sinister, especially in this issue. Okay. The way he was speaking with X. Yeah, I don't know. I still feel like his motives, you know, even though mm. dark and twisted, you know, probably makes sense to him like i don't feel like he sees himself as a villain you know um but the villain he, shouldn't see he, yes yes a good villain <laughs> should now there are definitely cackling villains mm. out there especially in the comic book world who do but i feel like he might believe that he's actually you know yeah he might have to break a few eggs to get there you know but he feels like you know what he's doing is you know right in the long run mm. So I, I do feel like he does it. Although, yes, it's dark and twisted, you know, it's a way. And he might be getting a little too much joy out of it, you know, and proving the professor wrong. But yeah, so, but that's just my take. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I, like I said, I, I, I'm curious to see where the story ends up. I'm sad that it's only two more issues mm-hmm. and that we're only getting two more issues with this team because I like this team and I yeah. would have liked to see this team go further. Yeah, you know, I don't know once again why they keep on choosing with the Xbooks mm-hmm. to like really like shuffle the decks. I know Gold and Blue have kind of been the same set teams for a while, but this felt like a book that I could really, you know, a team that I could really get into and I'm just upset that it's only lasting twelve issues. Yeah, and it's I mean it's been like solid from issue one. Yeah. There hasn't been like a dead moment for me at least when I was reading it. Yeah. Um I still don't see a reason for Mystique to be in this team. No, no. But if you look at it too time-wise, really, it's like three days of yes. past. I mean, so, she's kind of just going around with yes. the team. But I feel like I need to have at least a more She doesn't moment. want the world to end. Yeah. And so, she doesn't trust X. She doesn't trust X. I just, she hasn't had a big moment in this. I did like those moments, though, where the team is confronting, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that, like, listen, man, we can't trust you. You're not leading this mission. All right. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that they appointed Psylocke the leader, though. I felt that was out of place. And it's more of me griping about the way the X-Books have been treating Rogue. Because I felt like, you have Rogue sitting there. She leads a squad of Avengers. Why wouldn't you put Rogue into that you know, spot? I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like, Rogue would be... But once again, like the, the X-Books are just using her as, like, just, I don't know, just like a background character almost. It's just disappointing, you know what? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's their character, so I don't know why these X writers can't get, like, into her, you know, right now. So, but, you know, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> so, but, all right. Well, moving on. Um, we also have Avengers. You know, keeping up with No Surrenders, uh, 688. What part was this? Was it 13? 14. 14. 14. Wow. Yes. We are very close to the end. We're almost there. <laughs> we are almost there. Um, 
I'll read the little blurb, No Surrendered, Part 14. As the final battle for Earth begins, one Avenger will sacrifice everything to give his teammates a fighting chance. I really enjoyed this book. Yes. Um, I thought this was really well done. Um, this book basically revolves around Quicksilver discovering, you know, what is keeping all the heroes in status. You know, um, they're all frozen. And he can he's the only one who can see this little, like, blue orb that's flying yeah. around. And he can't keep up with it. So it's just him trying to stop this orb and trying to catch it. And he comes to the realization that he's going to need help. Which, for Quicksilver as a character to admit, is huge. But he goes to his sister and he gets her to basically unleash, you know, his, like, you know, um, speed force. Like, his fear yeah. of uh, speed. Like, because I guess something is blocking him mentally where it won't let him go over a certain point. So, and go as fast as he can. So he, he gets this and he realizes that he's sacrificing himself um, in doing so. Um, you know, so they have a really, like, touching moment between him and Wanda and then him and Emily, too. Um, just, I mean, I've never been, like, a huge Quicksilver fan, mm -hmm. but I really love how complicated that character is. You know, it's such a classic, like, Marvel character you know, because he's such an arrogant prick most of the time, but he always has these moments, you know, where, like, you know, you see the true hero. And this is definitely probably one of his, like, most defining moments, I feel, as a character, um, that he's willing to go ahead and just sacrifice himself, and he's willing to do that, you know, to save, you know, the universe. Um, so I really, really enjoyed this issue. It definitely feels like it fulfills his kind of arc that's been in No Surrender so far. Mm -hmm. Especially since this isn't the first time he's done something reckless in this story. Where he, yes. he runs out and he grabs the cube and... Well, it, he grabbed the cube, right? Or did he get stopped before that? He gets stopped. He gets stopped. Okay. Um, I think... Oh, she uh, unfreezes Vision. Yes. And he freezes last moment. That he freezes and gets the, his ass handed to him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, by the Black Order, I believe. So, yeah. So, but yeah, he kind of, you know, and that's just his character, you know, mm. true and true. You know, he, that's what he does. You know, he's never been much of a team player, even though he's always on a team. Uh, <laughs> so he's more, he's very self-absorbed, you mm. know. It's all about him and his sister. Uh, but I just felt like this is really, just a story that was really well told. That was very focused on him. Um, you did have uh, the Hulk Kind of, you know, going off on his own. Yes, and, uh, fighting the Challenger. Yeah, fighting or, the Challenger. Um, the new Grandmaster Alpha. Or what, whatever. We'll call him the Challenger. <laughs> <laughs> that name's way too much oh, of no, a mouthful. Sorry, Grandmaster Prime. Okay. <laughs> whatever, dude. He <laughs> sounds like a 12 year old picking up like a superhero yeah. name. Um, yeah, but yeah. Um, I thought that was a cool moment and everything, seeing the Hulk, you know, go up against this cosmic being, mm. um, you know, and holding his own he does eventually get knocked into space yes um you also had another moment where you know another hero was sacrificing himself where it seems like sunspot is you know willing to go ahead he takes off this like inhibitor inhibitor that's like a headband mm. it looks like a disco headband i don't know what the <laughs> hell he's wearing so because i was literally the art is really good for the first part of the book and i don't know which artist is on it and then it kind of like they use two different artists in this book um you know and i know they've been kind of doing that like 
within like you know every other issue but this book is different because it feels like you know in the middle of the book they went to a different artist like once hulk confronts the uh the uh, challenger uh, yeah. I, I do remember that it did feel weird I yeah it, right it was a little like i don't know but it is what it is and i guess they have to do what they have to do mm. to get a 16 issue arc out and they've done they have not missed a beat it's been every week um which i feel like has really helped the story too mm -hmm. um i've enjoyed this arc it's been very well paced um but yeah he goes ahead he takes off this inhibitor and he he basically says i'll be your hulk because they lost the hulk at the point they need some someone powerful to knock this machine that's to keep to keep the machine holding the rotation of the earth okay whatever what what <laughs> <laughs> it's a very noble thing that he's doing yes you know um, it was interesting that they called him, but he was the strongest. He feels like he's the strongest mutant in, uh, uh, on Earth. I I did not know this about Sunspot. That feels new. I don't know if that's just him being brash and bragging because he will do that. Um, I Maybe. never thought of him as the strongest. Maybe un uninhibited he is. I think his powers kind of got messed with um, in U.S. Avengers. Okay. So they're kind of like unleashed and uncontrollable so maybe that's why but i would never like peg him as like stronger than rogue or colossus or anyone but maybe he is i mean he's a strong character maybe because those characters a lot of those characters are in stasis at the time when he's mentioned oh maybe that's why maybe he's being like funny about it. <laughs> but let's so speaking like five of mutants um, speaking of rogue i mean she earlier like uh, either the issue before or the before that one she sucked part of hulk's power out Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, why couldn't she have been there with hulking out at the time to help hold it? I thought that, like, that was a misbeat. Yeah, that would have been a cool moment. I don't know. Like, in With Rogue's powers, it's all up to the artist. Yeah, she looked perfectly back to normal. Yeah, like how mission. long she's going to hold on to those powers and you know use them for, or how they're going to affect her. Because you would think absorbing that rage along with that power would totally just drive mm -hmm. her mad. Um, so, I don't know. That, that is a good point, though, because you would think that would be a good go-to at that point. But, you know, maybe at that point she lost the powers, you know. So her powers are just kind of always yeah. in flux. So, but yeah, no, overall, I really, really like this issue. Um, you know, I'm almost kind of sad to see it end. There's only two issues left, this this whole arc. I know. Um, and we're going right into uh, Marvel's Fresh Start with the new Avengers team. That, that actually comes out in May, so... This is a great way to go into that as well. Especially yes. with all the event books we got before this. Just yes. like It just felt dragging me down constantly, each one. And then we get this, and this has been so smooth. And we're getting it each week, too. Yes, and it's been just a pleasure. Like, mm -hmm. it's been just very enjoyable. You know, an easy read and a fun read, um, which I feel like we kind of lost the last couple of years yeah. with Marvel. So, um, and it's just a great way to tie up all those other books because all those other books are not going to exist after this. U.S. Avengers, uh, Uncanny Avengers, mm -hmm. and the Avengers. Yeah. So that's just wrapping up all those arcs, all those storylines. And they did play like play up to that with um, the U.S. Avengers saying this will be like the last time we like team up. Yeah, like they even said that in the book. I mean, it yeah, was kind of like big, just for that moment, big but. moment. So this book ends with all of the heroes in the Marvel Universe basically being unfrozen mm -hmm. because of Quicksilver. So, you know, I, we'll see if he's actually <laughs> sacrificed himself. I'm sure he's fine. I, yeah, that's <laughs> what I was saying. I'm like, he didn't die. Yeah. If anything, he just is holding all of that stasis within himself. Yes. If he's dead, he'll be back in a couple 
months. Yeah. Until a writer decides they want to write him. <laughs> you know, so I'm sure he's fine. Just a cool moment, though. Yeah. Just a cool moment. So um, They don't even show him actually dying, either. Yeah, right? They just kind of, like... It's in his hand, and, and it just, just kind of blurs, blurs out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on. Let's talk some DC. Talk some DC. Um, caught up with Doomsday. All right. Uh, this is issue number four. It was basically, uh, we got you know following Rorschach's story while she's in Arkham, and we get to learn more about what how Osmandius felt with uh, everything that just occurred in Watchmen. That's Very... right. We we were left with issue three with Batman tricking Rorschach yes. into Arkham into a cell, which was pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Felt a little too easy, you know. Well, Rorschach was playing was very naive in the moment. Yeah, very naive. But the fact that he like Batman would just let him like sleep in his bed and you know mm. made well, him breakfast and <laughs> in this issue, Alfred makes a very good point of how Batman underestimates him mm. and like, or is this okay to have someone who clearly knows everything about you at this point, like knows your true identity, knows that you're Batman? Just to be in Arkham. It does feel a little off-kilter for Batman, mm-hmm. you know, that he would just, like, put him with this, like, most of his villains. <laughs> you know, this guy who has all this information and, you know, a total wild card. You don't know anything about exactly. him, really. Um, no records of him but in But maybe world. this is Batman's way of, like, really getting to know him safely. Because we find out that Batman is disguising himself as, as the, the therapist. As the therapist and, you know, talking to him. So maybe mm-hmm. he figures, okay, you know, I do kind of believe him, but I want to see what this guy's about and keep him in kind of a safe environment just in case he is crazy. I don't know. <laughs> that might be stretching it a little. <laughs> but I just, like you said, I can't see Batman, you know, having this, you know, guy break into the Batcave, figuring mm. out that he's Bruce Wayne, and then just like, okay, well, I'm going to let you go ahead and hang out in Arkham with all my greatest enemies. Well, in many ways, you could think of it as Batman is the audience right now with this character. Because, I mean, this is a new guy taking the role of Rorschach. We don't know barely anything about mm-hmm. him. And where this is kind of our way of learning and figuring out who this guy is with Rorschach. Storytelling-wise, yes, yes, that makes sense. But, like, just oh, well, yeah, character-wise, it's like, wait... <laughs> Really, Batman? You're going to really mm-hmm. trust this guy? Um, but, you know, I mean, like, maybe it's more of a controlled situation that we are let on to. You know, maybe Batman I mean, Arkham knows. is his baby. So. Yeah, it is, pretty much. So I'm sure he can talk to, you know, whoever's running Arkham at the time, you know, hey, don't have him with, you know, the regular population. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, you're right. It, it seems a little weird. Mm-hmm. So, but, regardless, I really enjoyed this book. Yes. Um... You know, and I wasn't really expecting when I figured out that it was going to be like almost like a pure origin story for a Rorschach. I kind of like, oh god, you know, a whole issue of you know mm-hmm. of an origin story, especially with this being like a bi-monthly book. But this was really good storytelling uh, by Johns. I really, really enjoyed this, yes, and this it really good. got me into this character. I love like seeing the aftermath of everything that happened in the Watchmen. Um, and just seeing how this character got to where he is now. So, because he has been kind of like the one thing that's been kind of like sticking with me that, you know, I just haven't gotten into yet. Um, just because I was like, well, I don't buy another character mm-hmm. picking up that mask and acting almost identical to Rorschach. Yeah, exactly um, how I feel. You know, so, but um, 
this allowed me to get to know that character, understand his story, and kind of buy it more. Um, and it's just it, the art has been fantastic in this in these books, um, and the writing has been great. This yes. is a very well story. It's dense. It's there's a lot, you know, for one book. Mm-hmm. In this, I was like, I had to like do a page count. I was like, how long is this book? But it's just <laughs> there, there's a lot of dialogue on each page, mm-hmm. but it's it, it doesn't drag at all, you know. It doesn't drag. I mean, there's definitely books out there like that that we'll, we'll probably talk mm. about where it has been a drag <laughs> to read um, with just the amount of exposition and everything like that. But this book isn't like that. You know, there's they don't waste a word, you know, in this. So I don't know. How did you feel about this? You know, this really, like, I was very, like, I don't know how I feel about someone else being Rorschach at this point. Mm. This got me way more into the character. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy that we got that. I mean, it's going to be 12 issues. I, there's going to be a couple issues where it's going to be not, like, progressing the story so far along. Mm-hmm. And this was a great way of doing that while also giving you the, like, background to this character that you really needed to know the background of. Yeah, yeah. And right. I felt this was so well written. So, like, the way the dynamics between him being in Arkham and being in a, an insane asylum beforehand after the events of um, the explosion and everything... Mm-hmm. If, it was great. It was great to learn more about the effects of uh, what happened to all the people that were there. And the fact that he was this close from being dead. You know, he was that close to the explosion. Yeah. He was just on the rim. I, I just love the aftermath, like seeing like how not only, you know, yeah, it cost a lot of people's lives, but also drove so many people crazy mm-hmm. too. Um, which is something like an aspect that I did not know, or I don't, I don't remember them talking about that in the book. Right. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, and just to see Osmandius kind of like deal with that guilt, Mm -hmm. you know, as a character with, with everything that happens afterwards too. Like, I mean, you definitely leave off with him feeling extremely triumphant at the end of Watchmen. Yes. And then you get to see this. It kind of explains why he's now hunting after, uh, Manhattan to try to fix all of his problems. Yes, because I was wondering about that because, yeah, in the in the first, you know, couple of issues, it's like, well, wait a second. We left that character here. Mm-hmm. How do we get there? But this kind of makes sense of that. Um, you know, so I, I really, I don't know. I don't know. I was very hesitant about this whole series, you know, and now I'm looking forward to it, you know, even though it's bi-monthly, you know. That drives me crazy. Yeah, it's going to be when is this? It's going to be 12 <laughs> issues. So when is this going to end? Next year sometime. Not even, right? It's four issues in? Four issues in, yeah. So you've got... (laughs) Unless they go monthly again. Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's going to be a while. It's going to be... So, I mean, they've got... They've got to hold our interest. They really do. So, I I mean, I feel like maybe they'll get back on track. I I don't know if that's for the rest of the series that's bi-monthly. I could see why this book would take a long time to write. Mm -hmm. But I almost wish they would have waited and just put it together, like released it as a trade almost, you know, or as a graphic novel. Mm -hmm. You know, just all out at one time. Because, I mean, this is a great story and I just hate the fact that I have to wait that long, you know, to, you know, pick up the next issue. Yeah, definitely. Like, this was a great issue. But is it going to hold into my, my mind for the next two months? Exactly. Because I did have to go back and revisit three mm. after I read this. Um, you know, because I was like, wait, what happened exactly? Wait, where are these characters at? So, um, yeah. But no, 
well done. Just great storytelling. Johns is just fantastic. He's a he's just a great writer. He really is. Mm-hmm. You know, I always like I always say that you know he's you know, and this will piss off DC fans, but I, I feel like he's like DC's Bendis. You know, he really you know he, he's just kind of like that voice that resonates mm-hmm. you know throughout DC for me. You know, as a writer who really just sets the tone for their whole like line of books. Um, you know, what he did with like the lanterns and everything like that. I mean, he just, he really is fantastic. So, I mean, he's the right guy for this job. But on last notes, we have <laughs> one more book to talk about. Well, technically, I'd rather talk about the entirety of Metal, but we'll get there. This is uh, Metal number six. You know, Snyder and Capullo putting out the last, the final touches to this series. Uh, they're big, you know, moving into the next Justice League storyline. Um, all roads lead back to the dark. In the devastating and epic conclusion to DC's cataclysmic event series, heroes from across the universe make their final charge into the unknown to battle the forces of dark multiverse. Of the dark multiverse, sorry. Space and time, dreams and nightmares, all will collide. And what is left at the end will leave the DC universe irreversibly changed. Okay. Was it irreversibly changed? Yes. For the better? Eh. <laughs> That's debatable. I will... Let's talk about this book as an individual okay. book first. I enjoyed this book. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on here, but I felt like this book was more akin to like the first two issues of Metal. Um, I felt like there was some fun moments in this mm-hmm. book. Yeah, it's a little over the top. Yeah, it's really cheesy. I definitely feel like that's the vibe that Snyder's going for, though. The art is gorgeous in this book. Um, I felt like it wrapped up the story well. But (laughs) I felt like this whole story jumped the shark two issues ago. Mm. And I don't know if it was enough to salvage that. You know, for me. How did you feel? You know, I can I can get behind cheesiness. I loved the beginning of this. Yes. You know that. I and was... that was very cheesy. I mean, yeah. It was good, mm-hmm. but it, it, it but it was cheesy. It was like, fun. I, I remember reading, they made like a Power Rangers Zord out of superheroes. <laughs> and I was like, is this something I want to pick up? Yeah. Like, I ended up enjoying it. I can get behind cheesiness. This was too cheesy for me. Uh-huh. This yeah. issue alone. I'm, I'm, if we're talking about this issue alone. Okay. The way that they handled it with, you know, Wonder Woman. Uh, just like everything felt like it's just the heroes win. Yeah, especially after you had the heroes losing for so long. Yes. Um, it definitely felt like, you know, like I said, I mean, with these books, my God. If there's any book that's guilty or series that's guilty of like too much exposition... It's this, these books. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like half of these books, you know, would be just them explaining what happened in the other books. Because there were so many tie-ins, you know, so much to absorb. Um, and it, this book was a little better, where kind of things are just happening. Mm-hmm. But there's also this, ex- like, there's this weird, like, unbalancedness of, like, on one hand, you'll have too much exposition. You know, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you'll have none whatsoever. Like, you have characters figuring things out, mm-hmm. like, just on the fly. Like, Wonder Woman figures out that she can, like, hit 
the mace and her bracelets together. Technically, to... Hawk Girl tells her to do that. But it just feels like <laughs> out of nowhere. Yes. You know, like total like plot device. Oh, by the way, you know, I know this, you know, we really need this right now. Well, and then the rest so... of the team is like, they know what that sound is all of a sudden. They're like, hey, that's Wonder Woman's bracelet. Like, he goes through such great lengths to explain this story and, like, you know, map everything out. But then there's these moments where, like, eh, whatever. This just happened, you know. It is what it is. So, I mean, I I understand what you're saying. Um, I just felt like this was almost refreshing, comparatively speaking. And maybe I should have started off by saying, comparatively speaking, to the last three issues... Um, I really enjoyed this. No, once you, once you introduced another metal for no reason, like I felt like there was not enough. Oh my like, god, I, I, I absolutely forgot up. about that. <laughs> that they that they, ent- they just randomly introduced another metal. Basically, a god particle metal that allows you to create whatever you want and just cheerful rainbows at that point. Uh, I just you lo- you lose me. And if the whole book, like if all six issues were just kind of this fun ride where shit happens mm. and, you know, it is what it is, let's just have fun and tell a story with awesome character moments. Because there are really cool character moments in this book. Um, I would be more forgiving of that. Mm. But since you've set it up, you know, with this in-depth, you know, storytelling and just this heavy, you know, like, oh, we need this because of this and, you know, X, Y, Z. I, I can't forgive just, like, introducing a God Particle metal, you know. Oh, and then the Overmonitor. They just yeah. introduced the Overmonitor. That was going to be my we next We don't point. know how he gets the Overmonitor. He's the guy, so the man who laughs has a character that's been tied up in a chair for the last couple god i think since issue months <laughs> and we've been kind of like his i think it was his origins book right yeah. his tie-in um where he showed we're introduced like he's telling the story to this character and we're wondering who the hell mm. this character is there's so many tie-ins we're wondering do we miss who this character is you know which is another flaw in this whole narrative um but we find out that it's the Overmonitor. We, we don't really know how he got him or why he has him. Um, I didn't even know he was still canon. Apparently he is. <laughs> um, and it just feels, yeah, like how could he possibly have such a powerful being just tied up to a chair? You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, it just seems like a means to justify an ends, you know, where they're going with the whole DC universe for mm. the next year or so. Um, with the no justice storyline and now Snyder, you know, you know, having the Justice League books, um, where it's going to be very like multiverse, you know, heavy, um, where they're really going to be exploring the multiverse. You have the, the break world, uh, the brick wall, I'm sorry, um, you know, opening up and now they're exposed to the multiverse. So, you know, all these other threats are lurking now around them and the book really ends with you know the whole justice league you know celebrating but talking about how they need to get ready mm. to deal with this new threat that's coming. i wonder I, I i doubt they will but i wonder if they're going to explain why their universe was pocketed off to the rest of the known i don't know i'm sure they'll like mention it in a book mm. that we probably won't read <laughs> so um it sounds like the man who laughs is still around. 
Like, we don't see him die. He yeah, showed see... up in another book. He shows up in Immortal Men, I believe they're saying. So he's going to still be a character in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the other evil, you know, Dark Knights um, have perished, you know, in this book. Um, which I I figured was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it feels like they kind of go down pretty easily. Um, I know that they have the armor. They have the special armor that's made out of this metal right yeah. so i don't know it's very cheesy it's a funner it i don't know it was a more fun read for me <laughs> compared to the last three books so i was happy that it ended on this note but yeah overall did it save you know the story no it didn't save it for me which is disappointing because i love snyder i really do um and the art in this is gorgeous <laughs> yes. you know all right it was great yeah, um, Batman getting away with pretty much screwing over the team and you know explaining. <laughs> this hey, happens. And every, now I opened up the every entire five universe. years. Batman does something to <laughs> screw over the team. Um, he did something where like he like had this whole thing where he figured out how to defeat all of the Justice League, and yeah. he just had it, like locked in a box. And of course, someone got their hands on it. So this has happened before. Yeah, it's like right. it's Batman being Batman. How many times this was saved such a universe? Like <laughs> such a huge event. Though. Give the guy a break. His parents got killed. Come on, can't use that as a crutch forever. <laughs> what, right? do you, what do you want from the guy? Jeez, <laughs> I so, didn't need to see Alfred drumming either. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. I blocked that out. Thanks. Yeah, they have a whole His little dance party at the end. And, uh, it felt more like the Lego Batman movie yeah. at the end. Um, but yeah, no. It's fun. I mean, it really, I felt like they just gave Snyder Kerr Blanche, like, hey man, listen, we're going to give you mm. this much, you know, this many pages, this huge event book. You tell the story you want to tell. Not only that, they gave him Justice League at this point. And then they gave him Justice League, which we didn't know in the beginning of mm. this whole like story, you know, this event. I have a feeling happening. they knew. Well, they did. <laughs> we didn't know as readers, you know, which I think would have spoiled, you know, kind of mm. where it was going. Um, especially with the way they did the press release and everything, showing like that we have all these weird separate teams, and mm. you know, for the No Justice storyline. So, yeah. So we're going to have a very heavy, like, multiverse... Um, justice league you and know, i don't know if i'm excited on. for that i i i tend to like the more grounded stories which mm. sound ridiculous in the justice league world but yeah i like it more where like things are happening on you know earth i'm not a huge fan of space um so i'm a little disappointed in that um aspect but i'll still you know he's got enough credit with me that i'll still give it a shot um and I just feel like I need to be reading some mm. DC books. So I will I will definitely give it a shot. You know, I don't know how long I'll last. You know, if the storytelling is kind of akin to this, probably not very long. Um, I just really hope he streamlines what he's trying to say. Because this just, I don't know, this went off the board so quickly. Really. I mean, just completely just off the rails. I don't, I don't know what happened. Yeah, and maybe they just, you know, since they gave him so much freedom, you know, maybe he needs an editor in his ear saying, listen, dude, you got to cut this. You know, this is, this is getting heavy. You know. Was and a little any... cheesy. And a little cheesy. <laughs> Was there any aspects that you felt they either missed or that you would have liked to have seen out of this, um, out of all of metal? 
I would have liked to see more Batman. I felt like we lost Batman yeah, in the middle. Like he, he became this like old man, like dying in whatever realm, and mm-hmm. so. And this was a Batman story. I still liked his spin off. A lot of people didn't, but I still liked his spin off where he oh, was what, was what was the name of it? I don't remember the name of it. Okay, he was um, there's trapped so in many spin offs. Um, I enjoyed the spin-off no, way no, better no, than no. actually... You know, it's like, funny because I actually agree with that. Um, a lot of the Dark Knight spin-offs mm. I actually enjoyed too. But there's just too many freaking spin-offs, like, you know, tie-ins to this book. Where if you missed any of them, they meant too much too. They're way too important mm. um, to the story. And just like the narrative, like flowing through the whole thing. Like if you missed any of those like tie-ins, you, you really felt lost. You know, and the fact that they knew that because they must have known it to a certain extent because they kept on having to explain Explainer, what was going yeah. on in the main book, but it just hurt the story overall. You know, um, and this is this is exactly what I hate about big event books. You know, even though I enjoyed probably three out of the six books, this is why I hate big event books because it's just you're expecting too much of the reader. You can't expect me to read, you know, what, five, six books, you know, a month to follow the main narrative, you know, in the main book. Mm. It's just, it's way too much information to absorb and to have like so much of the story happening nowadays in those tie-ins. It's just, I don't know. This is, this is what I hated about Marvel's uh, Secret Empire. You know, it was like, you know, a lot of the story was taking place in other books and not in the main book. Um, that's what I felt like was happening with metal. Mm. So, and there was also a, an issue with you know the book being late. Like I felt like it like got pushed back at one point. And there was a lot of time. I think there in was between. a um, a time change at one point. Yeah, there was in like there was like like a couple months in between, um, like three they and did like four a or something cut of like one that. of them. Yeah, at one point. and it just wasn't enough. Like I had to go back and reread a whole lot to figure out where I was. You know, kind of what we're talking about with Watchmen. What we fear is going to happen with you know Doomsday Clock. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If you haven't picked up any of these books, unfortunately, I feel like you're going to have to pick them up to know where we're at in the DC universe, um, with, you know, No Justice and the new Justice League book coming out, um, or just, you know, listen to a really good summary or (laughs) try to, because we're definitely not doing it justice, (laughs) but I feel like you can't Mm. possibly sit here. Like this would be a five hour podcast trying to explain everything that happened oh, yeah. in those books. Um, I mean, I still I still have no idea what happened with like, Raven and Cyclops, what that was all about. They they put they put oh, so much... Cy- cyborg. Cy- Did I say Cyclops? Cyclops. Cyborg. <laughs> cyborg. That'd be awesome if Cyclops showed up. <laughs> then the brake wall really did break. <laughs> um, like, like, with all the emphasis at the beginning of um, of Metal and even the tie-ins, they were like, Cyborg's going to be a very important character. And then he just ends up flying a ship at the end. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I told in Like, honestly, to Dutchman and this t- tells you about the storytelling, I totally forgot about that, you know, it, while reading this book. Yeah, what the hell? Like, what did he... I mean, I'm sure there was some big point, you know, that happened in the other tie-ins that were going on where, you know, Cyborg had to do something to get that ship, but... I don't even know if that ship had a huge payoff in the end. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. It hurts it, it, my head to think about, honestly. <laughs> where were the chimps in this issue, too? They showed like, up a barely few. There. We didn't see, like, the Justice League chimps. We <laughs> saw, like, 
uh, detective chimp and like some other uh, versions of Batman. Batman that yeah, they picked up. I think it was like the Dark Knight Batman um, showed up, and like yeah, like like there was the the uh, vampire Batman. Yeah, so like we're gonna come combat your evil Dark Knights with our own evil whatever. Okay, <laughs> just, yeah, just get me to the finish line, people. <laughs> You shouldn't feel exhausted after reading these event books. And that's how I felt with this. I felt just exhausted. Emotionally. <laughs> physically. I was on board till five and six. Till really? Five four? And six. To, to, I think four is I'm, where I... I'm trying... What happened in four? God, Christian, really. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, you're like... You're saying four. I'm trying... <laughs> what happened in four? I, I can tell you I started petering. Three is when they're in the bar... Right, and then yes. four is yeah. I think four just I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No, four is when Batman and Superman go into the <laughs> lava thing. Remember at the very end, that's when they get dipped into the lava because you think um, Batman's all like, "We gotta save the day," and Superman's like, "We have to give up," which is weird for the man of hope and peace and so whatever, man. Just let it go. <laughs> Tap out. It's over. <laughs> It just—it had such a good start. It did. It, it had did. Such a the good first start. two issues, like I said, as cheesy and as ridiculous as it was, I was enjoying it. I was thoroughly enjoying it. So, yeah, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> God, this is like our WrestleMania preview. <laughs> Doom and gloom. Um, I just—I hope—I hope the best for DC going forward. I really—I'm gonna read. No justice. I want to know what the where it goes from here. Yeah, so, I'm curious to see what happens. And I, like I said, I'm excited for a Snyder mm-hmm. Justice League. I am, um, not Zack Snyder. Yes, so. <laughs> Scott Snyder. Uh, but uh, <laughs> sorry, we once again beating, stop beating a dead horse. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for that. You know, yes. I want to see what he has in store for us. Hopefully not more of this. Alfred uh, playing drums. I, mean, <laughs> I don't want to see that ever again. Um, I'll give it a couple issues if it's... God, if was it, if Swamp I see Thing this? dancing? I think Swamp Thing was dancing don't. or something. Yeah. Okay. Just, we won't We won't bring it up again. <laughs> it's, it's over. <laughs> We're tapping out, people. It's sad because I wanted to collect all of these. And now I have no interest. Hey, you saved some money. Look at that. Should be saying thank you. That's like $40. All right, let's move on. All right, yeah. okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nick from the Nick Events Podcast. I want to let you know about a new podcast I'm launching next month. It's called the St. Paul Filmcast, where each week me and my co-host Dan will pick one classical film to review. We'll also will be discussing new films, modern films, new releases, and other aspects film-related. You'll find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can already find our podcast on Twitter at St. Paul Filmcast and Instagram. I hope you give us a listen. Thank you very much. It's time for some wrestling. That's right. Uh, God, we made it this far without talking any wrestling. How about that? Impressive. After the last two weeks, that is impressive. Didn't, didn't we start the show with wrestling? No, do we? T- oh, not yeah. really, though. <laughs> <laughs> we 
we talked about your depression over the Nikki Bella, uh, John Cena situation. That's not wrestling. Eh. <laughs> it's as much wrestling as the writers will tell you. This. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's scripted. So oh, yeah. whatever. So, but anyway, isn't all love? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Um, so here we go. We're going into the superstar shakeup. Yes. Shake, shake, shake. All right. So let's just go ahead and we'll just name off who moved where. How's that? Yes. All right. On the raw side, we have Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Bobby Roode, The Riot Squad, Jinder Mahal, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Rizongo. Chad Gable, Zack Ryder, and Mojo Rawlings. Oh, and Natty and Mike Kanellis. Mike yes, who I forgot was even on the roster. So, <laughs> um, I was actually surprised by how many people, like, they were moving. Like, it's a, it's a nice, mm-hmm. that's a good portion of the roster right there. So, you know, before SmackDown, I was a little worried that, like, SmackDown was going to get, like, a bag of balls and, like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, some ring ropes or something like that and maybe, like, five wrestlers. Because that seems, I feel like they always screw SmackDown over in the drafts, in the shakeups, whatever the hell they're calling them nowadays. um, I feel like SmackDown always gets the short end of the stick. So let's see what happened, right? We actually, we're recording this on Tuesday. The show just ended. Yes. So, and... Hopefully no one else gets announced because I last night a few people got announced. Like, yeah, they online. always do it like right after. Yeah, so I did not see anyone currently um, being announced though. Um, but yeah, so on SmackDown we have The Miz, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Jeff Hardy, Samoa Joe, Sanity, Big Cass, Asuka, The Club, The Bar, uh, Almas, and R Truth. Once again, I didn't even know our truth was still on the roster. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So they actually almost, I think, the same amount of, actually more than um, Raw. They actually end up getting more uh, superstars on their brand, which I was surprised by. Especially since, you know, I think the way they always rationalize it is that Raw's a three-hour show, mm-hmm. so we need more wrestlers, you know. But we really know it's just the old man yeah. loves him some Raw. So, um, but yeah, let's go ahead and let's break it down. Um, how Man, does you... SmackDown look like a good show? Yes. I'm going to start off with that. Yes. <laughs> My God. Like, this is going to, like, harken back to, like, the SmackDown six, day, six days where, like, you know, you had, like, Eddie mm. Guerrero, Chris Benoit, um, you know, Edge, uh, Lesnar, Angle. Like, you just had that group of just fantastic workers. I mean, now if you look at it, you've got AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, um, Nakamura, uh, I mean, just uh, Asuka. You've got all mm. these fantastic workers on SmackDown. It's really going to make it like the mu- like the must-see like show, you know, to me, you know. Um, you know, you've got... Samoa Joe is just a monster heel. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's really set up to do well, you know, um, on this show. Um, you know, all they have to do is overcome Road Dogs awful writing. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a challenge in itself. All right, 
So, um, but yeah, man, I'm really, um, Almas. I mean, just. Oh, yeah, Almas. Yeah, this is gonna, I'm really excited for SmackDown. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but you know what I'm most excited about? Hmm. I'm gonna get that Miz versus Brian feud. Yes. That could be, like, feud of the year if they book it properly. Yes. I'm wondering if Miz is actually gonna get a title run out of this. Who do you think. Out of everyone who's moved, who's going to benefit the most from the shuffle, if you will, the shakeup? Looking down the list. You know, I could see Samoa Joe getting the most out of this. Especially since I feel like Reigns and most of the upper talent on Raw are mostly what we're keeping him back. Mm -hmm. He'd have to constantly be a villain for them to, like, face. Yeah. He was, like, their only, like, big heel when he was still running around. Yeah, where I don't... Yeah, I could see him eventually winning the title on Raw, but I feel like here, he will be more of a legit... Mm. Right? I see no way he doesn't win the belt and get a run. You know, after, like, the Nakamura, you know, Styles feud is over. You know, I could definitely feel, like, you know, if Nakamura doesn't walk away with that title, I could definitely see AJ Styles mm. going right into a program with Joe. And I, I, I'm, like, frothing at the mouth, like, for that like <laughs> program um you know i mean just all the different matchups that we have on smackdown i did just... you mention the bar and the club or yeah the bar and the club yeah yeah you know i'd love to see like you know the club you know reform with you know styles mm. and like another heel run for them you know i don't want to necessarily i don't want to see a face you know faction with those guys you know i want to see it done right you know, I, I just, I, we've seen what that looks like with the Balor Club, um, and it just doesn't feel right. You know, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So if they are going to go ahead and reform, I hope that they do it, you know, with AJ as, you know. It is a I little feel. weird that they're splitting that up right now when they just started pushing the whole Balor Club is for everyone. Yeah, but are they, but they're not, like. They're not pushing it on TV. I they're guess. not putting, they're, like, that has less to do with the club, the tag team, than mm. it does with, like, Finn. Like, I feel like it's more about Finn, you know. And it's a great message, but, like, I feel like the club didn't really have a part in that. Um, you know, so I... And they haven't really been doing anything with those yeah. guys um, as a faction. So I kind of... I was hoping for them. I think I actually mentioned in the last episode I really wanted to see them move. Um, I was hoping that Finn would move with yes. them. But... It is what it is. I mean, Raw's not awful. I mean, you've got no. Finn, you've got Seth, um, you got Brock, technically. I don't know. I know he signed a new contract. I don't know how long that contract is. I, I'm hearing mixed reports left and right that the contract might actually just be, like, right up before, like, SummerSlam, or it might go to SummerSlam. Um, so we'll see how long he actually lasts and how you know, often we see him on TV. I feel like he's just there now to be like Reigns' whipping boy, and he's just going to be handing him that belt sooner than later. Um, God, I hope he does like in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, no, I would. I'd be okay with that. Honestly, I'm not a huge Reigns fan. You know, more of like just the story wrapped around mm. him. You know, his character. Um, you know, less to do with like his in ring work. But I really, I'm done with. Lesnar holding yes. that belt, um, but yeah, I you know, Owens is over there, so and then you've got Drew McIntyre, which I'm hoping 
for big things, you know, out of, you've, you've got him and Dolph together, um, which I think is going to help Dolph a lot, you know, just having kind of like a little like faction, yeah. you know, team that had a serious like Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels vibe going on um, the way they introduced it and everything. Um, I don't see that kind of like that dynamic between those two lasting no. very long. But at least it's something different for Dolph. I can't deal with, you know, Mr. Whiny Pants coming out there and complaining every night saying, you know, I steal the show, you know, but is constantly jobbing, you know. It's been a while since he stole the show. He's got to feel less like a Shawn Michaels cover band. You know, he's got to be his own Mm -hmm. guy at this point. You know, I really, you know, I I don't know. I don't know. I I think I've said before, I just, I feel like I'm just done (laughs) with with Dolph. Yeah. You know, so... Um, but I have I, a lot of hopes for McIntyre. I do, too. And he looks like a monster. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just been hitting the weight room for the last, you know, four or five months, however long he's been injured. Because he looked like a monster in the ring. I want the chosen one to finally win the title. Yeah. Yeah. I, I You know, I mean, at first, like, seeing him paired off with Dolph makes me think that they're definitely going to do, like, a slow burn with oh. that if they go that direction with him. Um, but I feel like he could definitely get over working with Dolph. You know, I feel like this is going to maybe last, you know, four or five months before those two turn on each other. Um, and then you're going to, you know, see McIntyre just take off. You know, hopefully they're using Ziggler to get him over. Um, you know, because, I mean, he's got so much potential. He really does. And he's got everything that McMahon loves. So... And he can wrestle on top of it. So, which is nice for us, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so you were saying Samojo was your definitely your like number one. I think like, when I'm looking at all of this, most. I definitely see Samojo making the most out of being on SmackDown compared to any other superstar. That's yeah, I feel like Miz will actually well, yeah. get it. De- like, I feel like he could definitely. I could see him getting another title run out of this being on SmackDown. I definitely could see them pushing him mm-hmm. more of a, you know, as more of a main eventer, especially working a program with Brian. So, um... It's about time, too. I feel like he definitely earns it at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely the biggest heel, you know, that they have yeah. right now. Um, you know, uh, just currently, storyline-wise, there's not, like, many pure heels out there besides, like, Joe and, mm. like, Owens. Just, um, just keep and Joe is a heel, but he's more of a cool guy. Like he gets that like fan response. Yeah. He gets a pop right away when he comes out. Um, you know, but he's not doing anything to garner it. You know, he's just being a badass. Where Miz is that just pure like cowardly, you know, heel who's just he works his ass off. And just know? don't make him sympathetic by talking about his children. No, and they seem like they ditched that like from the last like you know, a couple weeks, like, at, like right before mm. Mania, right? Is that when they were doing that? Yeah, on commentary, right? It's like, it's like, what? What is going and, and it just, <laughs> and it took away so much from the match. They mm. were having an awesome match. Balor and um, Rollins were having a great match in the ring and it's just like, they all they were talking about was Miz and his new change of attitude that lasted a week. Yeah. So, I don't know what they were going for there, but it did not work. So, um, yeah. So, it feels like this is classic Miz that we're getting, what we saw on SmackDown. He obviously wasn't on the show. Um, he, he's going to be avoiding Brian for a while, it seems like. So, um, which is fine with me. I, I don't mind a slow burn um, with this storyline. So, um, 
but yeah, yeah, I, I definitely feel like Joe is probably num- my number one and, you know, Miz being a close second. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, what do you think about Kevin Owens being on Raw? I like, I love Kevin Owens. I want to see the best for him every time. The last time he held the title, I felt like he was definitely still second fiddle to what they were doing with Reigns and everything that was going on. And Jericho. I felt like Jericho was overshadowing him. Yeah, that too. You know, and I don't know if that was planned. I feel like Jericho's, you know, new version of himself took off. Yeah. You know, and they I mean, they got over real fast. (laughs) And and deservingly so. It was awesome. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, God, is he like the top heel on Raw right now? Well, who could you name other than him? I don't know. I mean, Sammy could get over as a huge heel. Yeah, but, but they're I not going to use them like that. I'm trying to think about who else they have. Yeah. They need to turn Rollins. They need to do something. It can't just be Owens versus the world. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Yeah, but, but I just, I mean, yeah, you don't have many, like, pure heels over mm-hmm. there. You know, Lesnar's not there enough. You know, and he's kind of like Samoa Joe as a heel, where, like, you know, yeah, he's a heel, but everyone loves him. Um, even though I'm exhausted with <laughs> with it. Um, I, just, I don't know. I really don't know. They don't really have much. So that, that's interesting. I wonder why they made that choice. Um, there's rumors that they want to push Baron Corbin to the moon again. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm just not buying I'm not buying it yet. Mm. I, you know, they did a little package for him on, uh, on Raw. Um, you know, to introduce him. And it was it was a pretty badass package. I was like, oh, okay. But then, like, you know, the bell rings. You know, <laughs> gotta see him wrestle. And I just don't buy him in the ring yet, you know. He can be brutal at points, and he'll pull out the occasional good match um, with the right opponent. But, you know, on the mic, um, in the ring, I just, he's not doing it for me yet. So I just need to see him, like, get into that, like, next gear as a character um, for me to really be mm-hmm. on, like, board fully. So, um, but yeah, it does, it, there is that rumor out there that McMahon's really high on him yeah. still, even though he's kind of disappeared the last six months, you know, storyline-wise. Um, yeah, I, you know who I'm excited for, too? I think it'll help. Um, Chad Gable going over to Raw. I mean... It could backfire horribly, but I'm glad that they're, it seems mm. like they're going to push him as a singles wrestler. Um, Do you think they'll keep him as a singles wrestler? I think so. The fact that they took him away from Shelton Benjamin, you know, which I feel like it'll benefit Benjamin too. Because mm. um, that guy has a lot to give in the ring. You know, he could work some really awesome. We saw him go against uh, Hardy tonight for the U.S. belt. Uh, I feel like, you know, I don't feel like you're going to reach the full potential with Gable if you don't give him a singles run. Um, and, you know, he's been in a tag since he's been called up. Yeah. Where, I don't know, I really, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they put him in tag team at first, but I feel like this is his time to really just grab that brass rank, you know, a McMahonism, if you will, um, and really prove his worth. You know, do I feel like he's going to get pushed to the moon or anything? I feel like size is probably against him um, just because he is a smaller guy, you know, comparatively speaking. Um, But I feel like work-wise, 
you know, like I could see him in an awesome program with like Sami Zayn or something like that. I could see him like push, like going after like the IC belt for a while. Um, I hope they don't send him like to a five live. <laughs> that would be a nightmare. I don't know. I, I saw this and I immediately <coughs> thought, oh, well, Jason Jordan's on the on Raw, so that's just quick. They just put him back together. I don't know. I think Jason Jordan's out for a while, though. So, because he got hurt like the month before Mania, mm-hmm. right? I think his I think his injury is a good like nine month injury. Ooh, okay. So we won't see him for a little bit. You know, I feel like it'd be like just the just an instant like character arc for him to like kind of like work with Angle and like kind of be like a protege for him. You know, since mm-hmm. both of them are you know. Do you keep him heel or do you go back to face? I think you go back as a face at first. You know, you can kind of have him, like, underneath Angle's tutelage and, you know, Angle kind of, like, coaching him up and everything. They're both Olympians, so it just feels like it would make sense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just so talented in the ring. Yes, he's very great. You know, I would love to see him, like I said, like, going against Zane, going against Ziggler. I mean, there's a lot of great matches there, you know, for you. Two people that were on SmackDown? Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. They were on SmackDown, but you didn't really have the opportunity. You know, he was stuck in a tag team. So, um, you know, although he did shine, they did give him a few. Like, in between mm. there, he was getting a few matches here and there, and he looked good. Um, but, yeah, I could definitely see him working some programs now. Um, you know, with a Baron Corbin. You know, maybe that's where they had, you know, with it. So, but um, anyone else? Do you feel like there's anyone who's going to get completely, like, buried? Um, I mean, I'm hoping Mojo. Yeah. <laughs> Personal preference. Um, he's basically enhancement talent at this point. I mean, I know with what happened with Jinder, there was that risk <laughs> of him just getting a push out of nowhere now. That fear. Um, but <laughs> the guy just doesn't like, I think they like his mic skills more than they like his like in-ring skills. You know, I think they like they get impressed by him on the, which I don't agree with. Um, they get impressed with him like on the mic, but yeah, him in the ring is just a car crash. Yeah, you know he's like hacksaw Jim Duggan twenty eighteen. That's what he feels like to me. Like he's got two moves and he doesn't really do them that well. He's how do you how loud. do you feel about the women's division currently? I feel like the women's division is on SmackDown. <laughs> like, jeez, they have a lot on SmackDown. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, okay. Rousey's on Raw. Hmm. Sasha and Bailey. Now you have Nia... Ruby Riot on there. Yeah, I forgot about Ruby Riot and the Riot Squad. They need to break that up. I'm done with that. Um, <laughs> I really, because I feel like it's not helping Riot no. at all. She can get on by herself. Yes, yes. Um, you have Ember Moon, who is Ember going to push to the moon. Right. Man, they've got that. a lot of talent, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I would like to see them introduce some kind of like tag belts or second secondary belts. Yeah, I feel like they're never going to like purely get over. Well, um, I mean, if they if they. Get behind groups like Absolution, groups like um, the Iconics, group like um, we just Riot Squad. Yeah. Then I could see a you know a tag title working with them very. But well. that means that they have to write something for them. Exactly. So I, I I agree hundred percent. But I feel like you're never gonna 
get like these secondary feuds, you know, until you have that secondary title. Mm -hmm. Like they have to have a reason to be out there, you know. Um, and they're so lazy with storylines that I feel like the belt is would be the perfect crutch for them. You know, do a TV title, do something, you know, give them a reason to be like wrestling and then we'll get more. Now that pay-per-views are going to be combined between the two brands, I feel like so many people are going to get lost in the shuffle. And mm -hmm. I feel like the women's division is going to take the hardest hit, um, you know, I, which is disappointing because they are definitely, you know, the last year they've been moving on the up and up, you know. Um we have such a really great group right now. It is. I mean, it's the strongest it's ever been. This is definitely the best women's roster we have ever seen. Both shows. Both. Oh, yeah, both shows. Absolutely. All combined. I mean, it, it's just fantastic. It really is. You think about the talent that they have. It's just crazy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm excited to see Hardy on uh, SmackDown and get his like singles run as long mm. as he doesn't shoot himself in the foot. <laughs> Um, more ways than one. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm happy. You know, I'm happy that they're still invested in him and they're giving him, God, his twentieth chance. Um, you know, he has the U.S. belt. I think he's going to jump into a program mm. right away with Orton. It seems like from what we saw tonight, he can easily play both mid Carter and main event too. So I can definitely. See I that. think they want him in that main event picture. I really do. I mean, he's nothing but a moneymaker for them, mm. merch-wise. He gets one of the biggest reactions every night. So, I mean, yeah, he can't talk on the mic, but I feel like, you know, his last run with the company, they kind of figured a way around that. Um, you know, and he was on SmackDown as the champ, you know. So, I mean, he worked a great program with CM Punk. I really enjoyed that program. Um, so, Christian disagrees because what did CM Punk? No, CM Punk won that. No, they took the title straight over. That was a loser leave. Oh. Hardy lost. Maybe I don't remember. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I'm the old man here. I'm not supposed to be remembering. Um, but yeah, so I, he has so much potential. Hmm. You know, I we'll see. We'll see. It's just whether or not they're willing to risk. Yeah. you know, it all on him because they don't want that headline of. WWE champion Jeff Hardy, you know, um, was arrested. They don't need that. So, I don't know. I don't know. Um, is there anyone else that you feel like is getting buried? Buried? I'm afraid for Brizongo. <laughs> I mean, I can see them having Seriously? fun. I can see them having fun vignettes on Raw, but... I feel like that, they're... You know, they moved their vignettes, though, onto uh, the website for a while. So they weren't even getting those vignettes on SmackDown anymore. So I feel like Raw's actually a better fit for them because they have the three hours. Mm. So I feel like you're going to get more. I don't know. I feel like less is more with them. But I feel like this is kind of give them a bigger sandbox to like really play in. Um, so, but yeah. <laughs> they, they, uh, they pinned the bar. They beat the bar <laughs> on uh, Raw. So they gave him a little push there. Now the bar is on SmackDown. Mm -hmm. So that's going to go nowhere. What are they doing with the bar? It just feels weird. I don't know. I don't know. That's a crowded tag team scene over on SmackDown, too. Oh, yeah. Too. Completely. You know? Um, you know, their tag team divisions definitely went around SmackDown, mm. I feel like. You know, because New Day's still there. The Usos are still there. The Bludgeon Brothers. 
Now you've got the bar. You've got the club. I mean... It's one of those situations where you could definitely see a title, um, a title field and a blood field going on at the same time. Yes. Yes. Which I love. That's when, you know, that's good storytelling. Mm. Everyone should have a reason to be out there. That's what the Attitude Era did so well. There was that story-like thread that ran throughout the entire show. Each character were, was on screen for a reason. Every character had their own story arc. Um, right now, I feel like the show is just segments. You know, there's not a continuation mm. of a story going on. You know, you had your main storyline going throughout the night, and then you had all these little subplots happening. You don't have that anymore. Like, I really noticed this, um, noticed that, like, the last wrong. Like, it was just segment after segment. Nothing, like, had a flow to it. Nothing had any kind of pacing to it. Mm-hmm. It was just things happening for things, you know, to happen. Like, just for the sake of them happening. Um, so I really just... I just need more continuity, you know, writing-wise, from them. Which I'm not going to get no. anytime soon. <laughs> um, bar any, like, big shake-ups. Um, which we usually don't even hear about. Mm-hmm. So, um... God, I mean, I just look at, like, NXT and how well that's booked. I would just, I really just would love to see, like, you know, them start booking SmackDown that way, at least. You know, since it, it, I feel like it's going to be a very much like an in-ring show mm. where a lot of those stories are going to be happening in the ring. I would just love for them to book it that way, where you're just getting, like, you know, these great matches with just enough storyline to, you know, move it on to the next chapter. Um, you know, where the story is really being told in the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, and everyone has a purpose. You, t- you don't, you know, call me crazy. You know, your characters have to have a purpose in the ring. It would be nice to you. Yeah, so, but classic I, writing. Yeah, right? Yeah. 101. <laughs> so, I mean, I know people like to shit on Russo, and I mean, a lot of it I'm sure wasn't due to Vince Russo at the time. You know, I'm sure a lot of it was, you know, McMahon and, you know, other people, you know, editing him. But I felt like that was one thing that he did well was just everyone had a purpose out there. You know, there's a reason why I was seeing, you know, wrestler A go against wrestler B. Mm. And we just, now there's just matches that are purely time fillers, you know, and it it just makes the audience tune out. It's it's unfortunate because, I mean, watching Raw feels like a chore half the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it really does. For some of us, it is a chore. Yes. <laughs> Hence, not watching. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I was really surprised. Asuka, though, was on uh, SmackDown. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised by that. I thought they'd keep her over at, uh, on Raw. I think Raw's got a good amount of talent right now, so Asuka can run rampant on SmackDown. That's fine. I just felt like she could have been like their Charlotte, you know, like, and it felt like it would have led into, like, Rousey versus Asuka, you know, eventually. Mm. You know, like, you kind of, like, have these two ships in the night, you know, just kind of passing, you know, by, and you know eventually they're going to meet. Um, it just, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird that they chose that. I mean, you've got, like you said, you do have some talent over there, you know, in the women's division, but I just feel like SmackDown's women's division is just... You know, it's just going to be on point now. It's going to be just really <laughs> fucking awesome. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll be curious to see where things go. Mm. Yeah, but I'm glad WrestleMania season's over. 
So glad. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Not that there aren't big shows happening. But, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. We still have, like, New Japan's got some events coming up. Uh, with Oh, we're going to be getting to the G1 soon. Exactly. Yeah, there's going to be a lot happening with New Japan. I don't know how we're going to do handle the G1. I <laughs> Just the time zone and everything. That's mm. going to be hard. Um, we'll figure a way, though. Four hour, four hour episodes, right? <laughs> Each day of yeah. the G1. Oh, God, no. Four hour episodes. <laughs> My wife would kill me. I'm tired just thinking of it. Oh, God. You're tired because it's almost midnight. Yes, yes. We gotta start recording earlier. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. Um, how would you grade the shakeup? It was definitely better than the previous one. Definitely a lot more surprises for me compared. I agree. I agree. Um, it wasn't like an NXT dump off. You only got a couple. Yeah, right. You got uh, AOP. You got Almas. Ember. You got Sanity. Ember. So they didn't show Nikki Cross, which is interesting. Yeah, I was disappointed with that. I don't know if they're repackaging her or if this is just I hope like. Now I liked that mm-hmm. like whole element to that group. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, they did not show her in the promo. Um, and that kind of squashes the whole rumor that they would end up being with uh, Wyatt. There's this whole rumor that they're talking about, um, you know, teaming them up eventually. You know, because, I mean, spoilers. Mm. Wyatt's going to eventually betray Matt Hardy. <laughs> no. Big, big spoilers here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they were talking about like forming a faction, with, mm. you know, and they, I mean, from the get go, they've been talking that since like Sanity like debuted that they were like tailor made for Wyatt. Um, well, since they even signed Nikki Cross, they were talking about having her be a sister Abigail character for him. Oh yeah. That'd be Way great. back then. That would have been cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm a little disappointed about that. I won't lie. I feel like Wyatt's always strongest when he's got, like, you know, a cult around him. So, but, you know, it is what it is. We'll see where, where this mm. leads, you know, with him and Hardy. Uh, I'm sure they're going to win the tag titles now, especially with the bar oh, yeah. over on Smith. I, just... I hate when they book these things and they <laughs> do these drafts or, you know, shakeups, whatever the mm. hell they want to call it, right before pay-per-views and events like, you know, the whole greatest Royal Rumble, whatever the hell yeah. they're calling it. Um because it totally just deflates, like, all the matchups that they have going on. Because you've got Joe against Reigns happening at Backlash. Mm-hmm. It doesn't you know, make sense. It doesn't make sense. You've got the bar going after the tag team belts. Um, they're they're going to be uh, facing Hardy and Wyatt for the titles. I thought always the draft was supposed to be after the Backlash or, man, what was it used to be called? Um, it was Backlash. It wasn't always after WrestleMania. Yeah, there was another one. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I I'll remember, remember it after the episode. I well. started after the first two. I started blocking it off. They really, <laughs> I mean, they meant so little half the time, and they really, I mean, they the wrestlers were jumping back and forth anyway, so mm. it just became a joke. And I, I have a fear now that it is you know mixed brand like pay per views. That's what we're gonna get yeah. now. Um, I'm really hoping that they keep those matches separate and those interactions separate. You know. For a while. I even get upset when I see the ads now that they're doing for it. It's like, you're, you're all happy now, but yeah. you lose your check because you weren't on the exactly, show. Exactly, because that's what's going to happen unless they go into like each pay-per-view's five freaking hours, which I, I won't be able to handle. I wouldn't... 
I would. I would mind if they did this, but I, it wouldn't bother me if they still did two pay-per-views a month and it was just like their way of filling in with all the talent that they could. And have the co-branded two co-branded, pay-per-views? Co-branded, yeah. Well, then what's the, why not just separate it between the two shows? <laughs> They don't want to do it. They they, they feel like it's not. Well, the whole reason they're doing it, yeah, is, is so that would be. I see what you're saying, but that's not cost effective. That I would know. be the same thing. I don't care about his money. I know. I know. It's not <laughs> your money. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I'm just I'm disappointed. Yeah, it was you know hard to devour that much wrestling every month. You know, with two pay per views, but it's going to be better than what we're going to get. Mm. You know, it just. The whole mixed brand thing. It just didn't work. It was the death of the draft, really. You know, the whole brand split. That's really when it took the biggest hit, I felt like. Because um, it just it just didn't mean anything anymore. You know, all these characters are interacting anyway. So mm. what's the point? And, and then so many people, like, it just... You had too many titles on these pay-per-views. You know, and the, the titles just meant less and less. You know, it's fine when it's isolated to that one show then I can buy it. But when you've got, you know, an IC belt and a U.S. title match, you know, like all that happening in the same pay-per-view or two, you know, tag team championship matches happening in the same mm. pay-per-view, you know, that isn't WrestleMania. I'm like, come on, you know, it's just watering down the product. So I don't know. I don't know how you get around that. I really don't. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, overall, I, I definitely agree that it was better than last year's mm. um you know because last year's was just abysmal it was you know i felt like they didn't put any thought process into no. that and like barely anyone like of it was a very people, small number of yeah not many people jumped that, i think that's why i was so shocked with mm. how many people you know switch sides um this year so but yeah yeah well i think that's gonna do it right yeah thank god <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> All right. So let's shout out some of our friends. These are some podcasts that we think you should be listening to. Yes. Um, the first one was actually a podcast that we just played a promo for. It's our buddy Nick's um, from the Nick and Vince's show. Yes. The St. Paul Filmcast. Uh, they're going to be starting in May 6th. Make sure you're checking out for that. There are classic and modern films that they review. This is right up Nick's alley. Exactly. Um, he's a great film reviewer. Very insightful, very well researched. Um, he does these classic movies justice. Um, check them out. Um, good friend of the show. Um, you know, I mean, still check out Nick and Vince's also. Mm. But um, I'm excited for this new venture for yes. him. We're happy to support this. Yes, absolutely. Uh, next we have Ghosts of the Stratosphere. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, waiting for that all night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ghost of the Stratosphere, a podcast dedicated to all things comic book. Uh, they also daily content and blogs on their website. All right, check them out. Definitely. Next, we have Hello Life, WTF, hosted by Lindsay and Perry. This podcast is a weekly look at life, relationships, parenting, and mental illness, and more. Uh, we also host pot stuff so which i know pot stuff very well so i mean this is a fun um podcast um definitely check them out last but not least we have wrestle nerds wrestling you know another great podcast about 
all things nerdy, all things wrestling. You can find them on YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, everywhere pretty much. You know, just like us, because we love wrestling. And Even though it doesn't sound like it most of the time. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still buy t-shirts, Damon. Uh, I still buy you t-shirts. You are still, yes, you are supporting the cause. <laughs> that is that is true. Um, yeah, check them out, though. Uh, a, a great podcast for your, you know, everyday wrestling mm. fan. Definitely, especially after this episode. Just pick them up, you know? All right, and make sure you go ahead and check out Them Guilty Aces, our house band. You're hearing them right now. Uh, They're on iTunes. They're on YouTube. Uh, Follow them on Twitter. Great Rockabilly Band from Chicago. Yes, and while you're listening to them on iTunes, we are on iTunes. We are on Podbean. We are probably on Stitcher. And we are also on Google Play. We are on Stitcher. Yes, we are on Stitcher. Probably. I'm just trying to remember all the places because we are everywhere. We're man. everywhere, man. We're everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, check us out. Rate, review, bleh. rate, review, subscribe. All those good things. Yes, we really appreciate it. We really need those rates, and we really need those rates, You know? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done begging you people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, follow us on Twitter. Yes. Uh, give us your feedback. Um, We'd like to hear what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Exactly. Um, um, the community has grown. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're memeing like crazy. We're everywhere. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's enough hours in the day, man. There's not <laughs> enough hours in the day. No. Um, yeah, but that's going to do it for this week. Yes. I'm Christian. I'm Damon. And that's The Amazing Nerd Show. <laughs>